welcome you to Life Point. We are in the middle of a series called Ups and Downs. Can you say that with me? Ups and Downs. Navigating the challenges of family life. Do any of you guys have a little challenge in your family? Like I'd say, yep, with both hands up, every once in a while we have challenges. And so I want to welcome you to week three. The first week, my wife actually kicked us off. It was a life-changing message. If you missed it by any chance, I want to really encourage you to go back and listen to it. She talked about navigating the challenges of family life in hectic seasons. And so that was week one. Last week, week two, was Roy and Terry, and they talked about navigating the challenges of family life through trauma. Fantastic, phenomenal, phenomenal message. Uh, again, if you missed it, go back and listen. You can either listen to it on the podcast or YouTube. And then today, you guys give it up for Shelly and Shane. Um, they're going to be they're going to be talking to us about navigating the challenges of family life as single parents, as single parents. And I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know how you guys do it. Like Leah and I, we've talked about you before. We've known you for some time now. And we don't, I mean, you're leading at such a high level, such an incredible way, so inspiring that as single parents, sometimes we ask ourselves, man, how do they do it? And, um, and so today the topic is is uh, navigating the challenges of family life as a single parent. And, you know, you hear the word divorce. And for some of you, it triggers some things, right? Immediately, you hear, you know, what most people use in churches is, you know, the, the little verse that, that says, God hates what? So finish it for me. God hates divorce. And as soon as I said that, that may trigger some things. Because maybe you've been through the pain of divorce. Now, one of the things, if you're just stepping in for the first time, you don't really know LifePoint, you don't know me, you don't know our church. One of the things that we're trying to do as a church is we're trying to create a culture where we tackle difficult issues. About three or four weeks ago, we talked about suicide. That was a very difficult subject to tackle. And when it comes to this word, divorce, leading as a, uh, your family as a single parent, often what churches do is they shame people. They, they put them in a corner, they hide them, and I, 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 I dare say you don't see churches often putting two people on stage to give a message on a subject where they themselves could be categorized as failures by Christians, by churches. But what we're trying to do here at this church is we're trying to change the narrative a little bit. Because I really believe that God can use the mess in our lives. And so today, if you hear that word divorce, I hope that you don't let it uh, trigger you in any way. I hope the walls are not going up. Because what we want to do is we just want to have a conversation. We want to have a conversation just from two real people um, who've been through some difficult things. And the hope is that by the end of the day, you could go home and you can say, man, through that pain, through those difficulties, there's some things they learned, there's some things that I can learn. And maybe you're here and you've never been divorced. Maybe you're, you're not a single parent, but I guarantee you this is one of those topics that hits all of us. I guarantee you, if I ask you, you don't have to, but if I ask you to raise your hand, I dare say the vast majority of us here in this room or watching online, 
we have been impacted by divorce. There's always that ripple effect. And so maybe you're here and you're not, you're not a, a single parent. You've never been divorced. Um, let this time be um, a time for you to get some tools in your tool belt so that you can help someone else. I know that I've, I've been affected by divorce, um, and I know that I'm not the only one. Maybe you're a parent here, and you haven't been divorced, but you, you're a single parent, and you're, you're having to do things a little bit, um, you know, like a little bit difficult because you're, you're the only one raising your kids. And so I hope that you gain some um, encouragement and some, um, I believe that there are some things that Shelly and Shane will share that I think will, will help you in your personal walk. Let's begin with the word of prayer, and then, then we'll get into it. Father God, um, we just surrender to you the next 25 minutes. And God, I pray that uh, you would allow Shelly and, and Shane to speak freely. God, I declare this place to be a safe place. God, we don't come pointing fingers. And I'll be the first ones to, to say, if there are any fingers pointing, it'll be pointing in my direction, God. Um, that's why we say no perfect people allowed. And so, God, we just come before you, and I ask specifically that you would untie their, their, their tongues. God, I pray that you would um, give them the thoughts that you want them to share this very moment, regardless of what has been prepared or what has been said in the previous service. God, give us freedom in your name. And God, I ask that you would penetrate our hearts. And, and the truth is that in a crowd this size, with the people following us online, and the people that will listen later, I, I know that many of us are dealing with pain. And so, God, may we allow some of the, the, the lessons of the past to, to reach deep within our hearts. God, as a church, we want to love deep, God. And so, even when we hear that word divorce from stage at a church, God, may we not think, oh, here comes the Bible bashing. Here comes the, the, the judgmental behavior. But God, may, may the the sentiment of love be felt. May your people know that we're here as just, just, just humble individuals that need you, desperately need you, God. We don't have it together. We're just struggling together. And so, God, we just dedicate the next few minutes to you, and we just ask you to uh, do your thing, God. Reach, reach our hearts and our souls deep, God, where there is hurt and bitterness, God, I pray that, you, that today would be a day where we begin to heal, God. And, and, and I know that healing is a process. It doesn't just happen. I'm not expecting to be 100% healing in just one 20-minute talk. But God, please, we ask, begin the process to get us a little bit stronger, a little bit closer to you. And God, may we receive your love today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, would you give it up for Shelly and Shane one more time? Give it up for them. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for, for sharing with us. Uh, Shelly, would, um, would you begin? You know, we, we went a little bit over our time in the last service. The benefit. They want to stay. They want to hear the whole thing. They want to hear the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So I was getting ready to say that. You know, the benefit to this service you gave is. me a mic. There is no, uh, there's no third service, you know? We can go as long as we want, so. Y'all want to hear it all, right? So, anyway, yeah. would you um, kind of share with us, um, you know, ba basically got, like, your journey a little bit. Of course, I know you, but there's a lot of people in the room that may not know your story, so. Yep, so my name is Shelly. Uh, I have been a very proud owner of LifePoint Fellowship Church for about 13 years, and, yeah. 
And I love, I just want to take a moment to say thank you to our pastor and to this church for tackling tough issues. Um, I love that our church doesn't shy away from that. So um, I was honest earlier. I had a little emotional moment this morning. So I was married for just shy of 15 years, and I woke up this morning recognizing that I was going to sit on the stage. I was going to talk about being a single mom and how my marriage fell apart on the same stage that my ex-husband used to lead worship on. Yes. So um, we've come full circle quite quite literally. Um, but I was married for 15 years. I was very committed to my marriage. I wanted to make my marriage work to the point that I was stuffing things down and I was not tackling some issues head on um, with some decisions that he was making um, that ultimately led to um, him actually being convicted of some crimes and he um, was sentenced to eight years in prison which led me to be a single mom kind of instantly overnight and I feel really confident to say that um, unless you are someone who's truly enabling his really bad choices, you can't really place the blame for the end of our marriage on my shoulders. So I was thrust into this. I didn't ask for it. Um, I was very committed to making my marriage work, but here I am, um, and I'm just committed to trying to raise my kids the best that I can. I single parent solely by myself, so I don't have a co-parent. I don't share custody. There's no one who takes my kids every other weekend. Um, I'm, I'm truly just a single mom doing it all on my own. Thank you, Shelly. Thank you for, for being here. I know this is not, it's not easy, folks. When the lights are on you, you know, when you're sharing your story. And so I, I really appreciate you being willing to be here. Shane? Hi, I'm Shane. Uh, like Shelly, I do want to take a moment and just say thank you. I really and truly, the relationship that I have with Alex, Leah, and Shelly have proved to be so valuable in my life. And I'm also so thankful that we are starting by sharing our stories, because when we share our stories, we get to tell you that we don't have it all together. We're still learning, and so this is where we are, and we hope that what is said here will just be, be helpful. Yes. Um, while while Shelly and I's stories are similar in the sense that we're both divorced and we both have a 14 and 18 year excuse me 14 and 8 year old, that's where it ends. Other than that, our stories are polar opposites, and it's completely different perspective. I was in a very strained marriage for seven years. During that seven years, we grew to live two very separate lives. We were not one. We were not unified. And really and truly, as a result of that, that is what ultimately led to our divorce. I wish I could stand up here and point fingers and say I did nothing wrong and I take no blame, but I cannot do that. The reality is, is that it was probably because of my choices more so than her choices. And at the end of the day, we spent a good majority of our marriage trying to work through that. While I, while I thought that marriage was probably the biggest battle I was going to face, the reality was is that wasn't true. Because as soon as our marriage ended, that's when my battle began. In 2017, when the final decree was handed down, I did not have anywhere near the custody of my children that I desired or what I thought they deserved. And as a result, I spent five more years fighting for equal custody of my children. During that time, I found myself super angry with myself, a lot of times angry with God, but I was able to spend a ton of time in prayer and diving into incredibly healthy relationships and seeking out mentors. The reality is, is that five years later, I can now say that uh, the court has found that we have greater than what they can mandate as far as custody is concerned. Basically, we have equal custody. 
Uh, while I don't always like my ex, we don't always get along, I don't always like the decisions she makes, I can thankfully say that my ex loves my children unconditionally. And I'm super thankful for that. And I can say that we are moving into a good co-parenting relationship. I would have never in my life dreamed that this was the life that I was going to live. But I can honestly tell you that all through it all, God has been faithful. I've seen his hand in every step of the process. He really is in the business of making things new. Thanks, Shane. So yeah, Let's give it up for Shane. Yeah. So, Shelly, tell us a little bit about the biggest obstacle you faced when you trans transitioned into being a single parent. Yeah, so anybody who knows me can attest to the fact that I'm about as extremely extroverted as they come. I no. took Same. <laughs> I took no. a, I took an assessment. I thought at, you'd never like to talk. Hey, I like to talk. <laughs> um, I I took an assessment at work once, and they said there's they they said there's they've never had anybody take this assessment that scored higher on extroversion than I did um, and that probably isn't very surprising so for me it was the loneliness um, and I don't talk about it like from a romantic spouse kind of way but more just someone to talk to about the day-to-day -day things in my life I was I was very lucky because when everything kind of happened it, it shifted overnight I made a phone call um, to my dad and my sister who jumped in the car and um, my sister actually like just slept in the bed with me which is a big deal if you know my sister um, for those first few nights and it just and today I'm that's the biggest obstacle but today I have a lot of really great people in my life who almost always answer when I call and I get to share the wins and the losses and the highs and the lows and um, just talk about my day um, and sometimes it's in the middle of the day of the night but the loneliness has been the hardest mm -hmm. obstacle for me Shane what about you what's Greatest yeah. Obstacle. Let me just say, family court sucks. Ooh. It's absolutely terrible. One of the worst experiences I've ever had. Um, I hope and pray that you've never had to experience it or never will experience it. If you're even maybe considering it, take my word for it. You don't want to. It's hard. Even the simplest divorces are difficult. During that season, you grieve the loss of your marriage, you're fighting for your children, and you're separating a life you've put together. My goal was to have equal custody, like I said, and that goal was met by wall after wall after wall after wall. And during that first season, I found myself living in a camper, in a fifth wheel, at a buddy of mine's house. And every morning, I would wake up at 5 a.m., get ready, go to my kids, spend a couple hours before school with my children, go to work, they'd go to school. After work, I'd come back and get a couple hours, and that was my life for about four months. It was absolutely brutal. And let me tell you what, my son was here in the first service, he's not in this one. I would do it again a thousand times over because it was 100% worth it because I wanted my children to, to see that their father loved them. I didn't want to be another statistic. But the reality was is it was hard. What can I tell you, what I can tell you based on that experience and, and conversations is that that's not something that I'm alone in. Many have, ex have experienced that, where you find yourself at the end of a brutal process only to be alone, only to be wondering, why is this happening to me? I, I, you feel useless. You feel like a failure. And the reality is, is it's in that moment that Satan desperately wants to just take you out. It's that final hit, and you to walk away. It's, it's such a difficult season, and the real, what, what I've learned is, is that the suicide rate 
among divorced dads is unbelievable. It's actually, they say that it's estimated between 15,000 and 18,000 divorced dads commit suicide every single year. That's crazy. Satan that's, wins that's, that's when that crazy. happens. I had no idea when I first, when you shared this with me, it blew my mind. That's just, that just gets it to another level for me. And that's just dads. Mm. That's not taking into consideration moms. That's not taking into consideration anybody who has walked through the process. And let me tell you, if you're there or you've experienced it, I get it. There's nothing like wondering when you're going to see your kids next. There's nothing like looking into a room and no one being there except for toys and a bed. But not every story has the same outcome as mine. Not every story has the same process as mine. But the reality is this. No matter where you've been, whether you fought, whether you stopped fighting, whether you gave up, you matter. God has a plan for you. He created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knew you before the creation of time. He knew me before the creation of time. And not only did he know me then, he knew me now. He knows you now. He knows right where you are, and he's never given up on you. That's good. I love that. I love that. We... We all matter. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for that. Thanks, Shane. So now that we talked a little bit about the obstacles, um, tell us a little bit about maybe your first victory you had as a single parent. Well, I, I don't know if I'm the only dad who feels this way, but a lot of times we believe the lie that moms play a greater role in their kids' lives than dads do. And let me say that again, the lie. You play a role in your kid's life. And, and, there, and, and my... When, when divorce began to happen, when the separation began to happen, my, my daughter was three, almost four, and I don't know how many of you have experienced those three teenage years, but they are hard. You think the terrible twos are bad, threes are hard also, and I don't know if you're like me, but uh, bedtime, it's hard, because it's during that time where your kid never has been more thirsty in their life. They, they've never wanted more food, they've never loved you more, and they've never been more cuddly because the last thing that they want to do is go to bed. A good friend of mine told me during that season, Shane, consistency is key. You have to be consistent. Establish habits. Establish routines. Because everything is changing in that moment. Everything, everything is changing. Everything is just spinning. And, 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 good. and my, my nine-year-old was at one place, but as a three-year-old, everything's already changing to begin with. And that's why I think this is so monumental for me as a victory. While I, while I loved looking, I enjoyed looking for the little victories, it was so huge because, you know, Daddy, I had an accident. Daddy, I love you. Daddy, I need a drink. But then there was that night where we did our routine. We sat in a circle. We read our stories. We prayed together. We hugged each other. We said, I love you. Put Caitlin to bed. And uh, she loves warm milk. I don't know if you guys like warm milk. I think it's disgusting. But to this day... Like last night, I gave her a glass of warm milk before bed, <laughs> like because the consistency and the routine. And that night, she went to bed, and I walked in the living room, and it was eerily quiet. And you know what that means with a kid. You're like, what are they getting into, right? And I walked into her room, and she was asleep. I was like, she must have just been tired today. We'll see how tomorrow goes. And tomorrow came, and she did the same thing. She was asleep. And I was like, oh, maybe we're figuring something out here. And she slept the whole weekend. And then... Not to get into the, some specifics on here, but I got a text message from her mom the next week. Why is our daughter still not sleeping? And it was in that moment that I went, 
I'm not a failure. I do have an opportunity to be a dad to my kid. I can get this right. And that was such a monumental victory for me. Perfect. Shelly, tell us about your first victory. Uh, mine's not as lighthearted as Shane's. Um, but for me, it was, it was recognizing that I was a good mom, similarly, similarly to Shane. Um, so in my situation, which I shared a little bit before, my ex-husband had a really special way of um, making me feel minimal and like I wasn't doing a good job. And no one would have ever known it, but I kind of knew how he did it. And so not long before he left our home, we were at a meeting at my son's school who he was struggling significantly. He was in kindergarten. I mean, we're talking like in-school suspension as a kindergartner. It was rough. Um, we were having him assessed for speech therapy, and I asked some very real questions about socialization and how it was affecting our son. And when we left that meeting, he said, um, I'm a licensed professional counselor. I kind of know how this goes. I really wish you wouldn't ask stupid questions and just let me like, do this. And I was like, I'm a failure as a mom. I don't know what I'm doing. So not long after he left, um, his behavioral issues continued, and I was meeting with my son's doctor by recommendation of his teacher, um, and we were talking about the potential of my son having ADHD, which has a huge stigma in our society, and he was so little. Um, but I met with his teacher, I met with the doctor, I discussed it with a lot of people, and we did have him officially diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and then shortly after that, I, um, I ended up remembering this phrase that this precious woman who's not here today in this church pulled me aside years before and she said hey you know you're the mom and you get to choose you don't have to ask someone for permission of what you're going to do with your children and I was like that's true so shortly that's after such a that big, like let's slow down there for a second why was that such a big deal for you when she said that because it seems like simple words right yeah could you say that again? The same thing yeah, that she, she just said? Yeah, she said, like, you're the mom. Yeah. You don't ask permission for what you're going to do with your kids. Yeah. For me, I'm an extreme people pleaser. I, I used to be. I'm sorry I'm not anymore. Um, and so uh, I would ask permission. Hey, is it okay if I pick Emma up early from class? Mm. No, I'm teaching. You can't pick her up early. Or, hey, is it okay? You know, and now, like, if I'm on that side of town and I need to get my kids early from school because I'm a single mom and that's convenient, then they get checked out 15 minutes early because that's, right. that's just what I need to do. <laughs> um, and so she really empowered that in me. Um, but. Did. Through that empowerment, I called my son's school. We were going back to school after COVID, and I said, um, hey, I really think it's in his best interest to repeat kindergarten. And at that point in time, the principal was adamantly against kindergartners repeated. He thought they should go to first and repeat in first. And I said, okay, well, I'm the mom, and I'm telling you that this is what's best for my kid. Yes. And they met, and they agreed that that was the right decision. And I can tell you confidently today that my son is eight years old, he is going to second grade. He is thriving. Mm. He is graduated from speech therapy. Awesome. He is on medication for his ADHD. Um, I met with his teacher um, in a recent meeting, and they said they said um, they said he's doing great, and he's a leader in his classroom. He is on level. I they told me he's the best math student that they have. That's he has a hundred in science. So. Um, during all that time, the verse that really got to me was in Proverbs, and it says, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. 
It was during this accomplishment that I remember, like, recognizing and realizing, like, I don't have to be afraid of what's going to come yes. in the future because each step's going to get me there, um, and, I can, and I can do this. I'm I, a good mom. I can I, do this. I, can't, I cannot imagine when your world is collapsing, everything is falling o- under, having the confidence. And, I, and I, I'm guessing that's where that comes from, you yes. know? that's. You know, because everything is collapsing. I'm sure you're asking questions. I'm sure you're doubting everything. I'm sure you're, like, even from before you got married, I'm sure there's questions that are coming. And so uh, this is where you found your strength. Mm -hmm. What a a powerful verse. Proverbs 31, 25. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. That's so well, powerful, man. That's it's it's worth noting, and since we're going to stay as long as I want to stay, That's right. um, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I didn't say this before, but I'll say now, uh, if, if it encourages anybody, is that it was a woman of an older generation mm-hmm. pulling me aside yes. and saying, hey, let me empower you as yes. a mom. And that's what we're supposed to do. I mean, that's biblical. That's a biblical perspective. And so I would just say to any of you, like, so good. Yeah, if you're in the older generation you matter and when you see something don't be afraid to to equip it because us young moms are figuring it out we're not experts and I know y'all aren't either but you've walked it before we have sometimes the greatest um, message doesn't really come from the preacher no sometimes it it comes from within right that's so good I was just gonna say and if you're wondering if you're in the older group you probably are so go ahead (laughs) (laughs) I'm just just saying (laughs) I'm just saying if you're like "Hmm, I wonder if I'd be considered older you probably are older than some moms so you can anybody can help but we need each other right and that's what I love about life point when uh and this is I'm rambling a little bit here too but when we decided to um, start with life groups, one of the things, the key factors that we said is we're not going to divide everybody up by age because I really believe that you can learn from the old and you can learn from the young. And I think the strength of the church actually comes the, the, at its very fabric when we come together. Young, old, middle age, we come together. Perfect, imperfect, whatever comes our way, I think that's when, um, that's when the strength of the church is known. So I love, I love that. My turn? Yeah. <laughs> I got lost. I can ask, um, I can ask a Go for it. Okay, so Shelly. <laughs> I wasn't prepared. Um, so who was the first person you told when you had your victory? So for me, like I said, I'm an extrovert and I love to talk. So I, I know that I called someone. I don't quite remember, but I'm just going to hit on it. I probably called my parents. Um, I'm going to get emotional because they're amazing. They spoke last Sunday if you didn't get to hear them. Uh, But after that, I'm very confident that I probably called one of my two best friends. And these friends, I'm going to cry, are not like normal friends. Um, They're like extensions of my family. And the cool thing about them is that I actually met them through life group. Plug for life groups. A life group here at this church um, when my ex-husband and I were still married and we were living life. And we plugged in and dug in and did life. And I like to look back now and recognize that I invested what I like to call relational equity. Mm. So um, we did life together with these friends. And so we had parents die. We had miscarriages. We had babies be born. We had sick kids. We had custody battles. I mean, we had job losses and and wins. We went through the junk together. And I'm really thankful that I made those deposits because the day came... And I had to make a massive withdrawal, Mm. and they showed up. 
Um, I actually, I was telling earlier, I remember um, the first day when everything kind of hit and I went to my one of my two best friends' houses and I was in her driveway and I was crying and she came out and she knew that I was crying because she thought my son's teacher had criticized his behavior again. And in fact, that wasn't it. My marriage was falling apart right there that day and she held me. Um, and then we fast forward not but a few days later and I sat in a divorce attorney's office and the divorce attorney, if you've never been through this, it's not fun, asked me some pretty intense questions. And I had my dad on one side, my best friend on the other, and I looked at my dad and said, I need you to leave the room, because I wasn't comfortable. And my other friend sat beside me, and I looked at her, and I said, this is dirty life. And she said, it's okay, we're gonna go through it together. So my community, my village is vital to me, and um, that is probably who I called, because they're that vital. Shane, how about you? Honestly, I don't know. That victory happened at 10 o'clock at night, and my parents, whom I love, live on the other side of the country where time is different. And uh, I know that pretty quickly I called my parents. Um, I have unbelievable parents who walked through it with me, but they walked through it, through it from a distance. Um, I am also an extreme extrovert. I'm also an external processor. If you know me, you know that I am not afraid to share my wins, my losses, what I had for lunch, whatever, you know. <laughs> so um, I, I love people. And what I found during this season is that divorce doesn't just affect your immediate family. It affects all those around you. Uh, my two best friends at the time, their wives were also friend with, friends with my ex-wife. And what happened was that their relationship trumped ours. And I found myself alone. But I did reach out to my parents. We did discuss it. But what I can say is, is that it was during that time that I found myself here at LifePoint. It was during that season that I began attending this church. And I remember Wednesday nights for about the first nine months that I was here. We met back in the, in the back there uh, with the life group. For those that remember, Andrew Francis and Brian Whitlock, they led that life group. And it was exactly what I needed in that moment. I was able to have a safe place just to be I'm so thankful that shortly thereafter, I plugged into the, to the life group that I'm in, in in Lindale, and it's as a result of that life group that I probably have some of my best friends that I've ever, that I've ever had, and I'm super thankful for that. I'm thankful for the people both at this church who, and those that aren't at this church that even showed up today to support me. I sent a text message yesterday to, to these people, all these people, I was just like, hey, pray for tomorrow, and within 30 minutes, I had 12 responses, and it's like, man community is huge. It's so important. Whether you are going through a hard time or not, it's so important to be involved in a community, and especially as a single parent, to have people to lock arms with. There's nothing like it. Tell me a little bit about your kids. How old were they? I think you just mentioned it, but just to recap real quick, and um, what did you do? How did you help them adjust? How are you helping them adjust even now? I mean, years later, uh, what are some of the things that actually work for you? What some things that maybe didn't work? How do you help them uh, adjust? Yeah, my, my kids are 8 and 14 now. So back then, they were 3, almost 4, and 9. Uh, the reality is, is that I didn't wake up and go, yes, I want to get divorced today. Like, that's never a thought that goes through your head. But the reality is, is that it happened. And the reality is, is they didn't choose it. Mm. And it became my goal to help remove every potential obstacle that would stand in their way from feeling like they have a, a life like every other kid that they were around. Whatever they needed, I wanted to provide it. So that morning came. 
Daddy, I want to have a ponytail today. Oh, okay. Through, oh, let's give it a try. YouTube videos helped, but it turns out you can't just use the vacuum cleaner, suck her hair up, and make a ponytail. It doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't do it. Uh, and did after. Did you try that? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but in, in all seriousness, probably 20 minutes of just trying and yelling and tears and losing cool on both our parts. And I finally got it and we looked in the mirror and I most definitely did not have it. <laughs> and, that, and that morning uh, we drove to school and I, I, I won't forget this car ride because she was incredibly mad and I was incredibly sad and it was probably the quietest ride we had and I did not like it and I did not want that to be the case. And that night, my, one of my good friends brought her daughter over, and I don't know how many hours we sat there on her hair, but that poor girl probably had her hair pulled a few times, but I learned how to do a ponytail. In fact, Caitlin wore pigtails on Friday. Let's give it up shape. Yeah. Now, she wanted, she wanted pigtail buns, but she got pigtails. <laughs> so like, I'm not a hairstylist. I'm not an expert, but I'm learning. I've spent hours researching video games. And the reality is, is my son is way good at them, and I am not. So I've resigned to just watching and encouraging him to the best I can. But I think the biggest way that I helped my children overcome was, was making them know that the things that they value matter to me because they matter to me. Your children need to know that they are loved, and one of the ways That's you good. can do that is by engaging in the things that they love. That's good. Shelly, so how did you help your kids to adjust? Uh, well, the first thing for me is I went straight to therapy, like right away. That That's was good. the first thing I did. And my therapist, through unpacking some of my baggage from the stuff I had gone through with my ex-husband, we, we identified three core truths for me that I live by. And it was that I'm a good mom, I make good decisions, and I have good gut instincts. So that led me to get them into therapy. Um, and through working with their therapist, we identified some really important things for my kids, and that was that this was significant to them. Yeah. They, in an instant, went from their dad being their hero to being gone and a criminal. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned therapy, and I, I know that Roy mentioned it last week because I, I really believe that, um, and I don't know if this is true or if it's just my perception, but in Christian circles, there's always a stigma with therapy. Oh, no, Jesus should heal you. Jesus should do this. You know, and he can, but he can use a good Christian counselor. And so I want you guys to know, like, man, you can come to us. We'll love you. We'll put people next to you that support you. We believe in life groups. But I, I really believe that there is something to be said, and like what Roy said, about going to a professional who can meet with you week after week after week and, and love on you and give you some specific um, care, uh, custom tailor, you know, to your, your needs. And so thank you for sharing that. I yeah. know that sometimes that's, um, and, and you said it earlier, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but um, if you go to therapists, you're, you're, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. I love that line. And uh, I think there was, I hope that as a church, we can recognize that that was a win. That was a victory. Yeah, it was it was really it was really huge for me. And through working with her, I discovered some really important things, and that was that I can't outparent a bad parent. Mm -hmm. um, I can't fix it, and I need to let them process it. And so we process on our house. We say that word a lot. And my rule with my kids is, you get to process however you want, so long as you don't hurt yourself and you don't hurt anyone else. Mm -hmm. And That's I can good. stand on the stage as a 
Jesus lover and tell you that sometimes that means that we say bad words. Mm. Um, sometimes that means I have to give them control where they can get control because they have not, they lost all control in their lives, what they thought they knew. And so I remember a day we went to the grocery store and we bought seven boxes of cereal mm. because that's what they wanted. Yeah. And um, we split chores up in our house and they get to choose which chores they do, but then they're accountable for doing their chores. So there were some things like that, but I remember talking to my therapist and I said, I always knew my kids would go home, go leave my home with baggage. Like we're not perfect. All our kids are going to go to therapy. Um, but I'd kind of hoped it'd be a carry on suitcase. And now thanks to my ex, they have a foot locker. Like that I got to teach them how to drag through life. And my therapist said something so profound. And she said, if they don't have any baggage, why would they need Jesus? Whew. That's good. And I was like, say, that's, that, say that one more time. That's really and she good. didn't remember that she said this. I was like, I promise she said it. I have really good memory. Um, so she said, if our kids do not have any baggage, why would they need Jesus? Mm. And I, I think back and um, my kids are, so my son is eight and my daughter is not 14. She's 13. Don't rush it. Sorry. Um, she thinks she's 23, but she's 13. <laughs> uh, she's, she just waved at me from the camera. Um, so she, she's 13 and, um, and I think that, Hey, those I just want to say that's pretty awesome that she's behind the camera right now serving Jesus. Yeah. So, so that goes to what I love. I love. I'm sorry. I no, just. I know. I just. This Don't is make the me kind cry, of culture Alex. that we're trying to build, where it's ownership at every level, and when your child serves Jesus as a child, guess what they'll do as an adult? Yeah. So. So. Way to go, Emma. I'm proud of you. There's a there's a little story that kind of follows with that is that a few weeks ago so my daughter's 13 and she has accepted Jesus into her heart my son is eight we're not there yet um, but he's asking some questions a few weeks ago about baptism and we were at home having lunch probably leftover pizza because I'm not fancy I'm sorry yeah. we're taking a little I'm just you're I'm fine I'm y'all are staying till two o'clock today you know and what? it is not my fault he's eight years old and he's asking questions about he's Jesus. asking questions about baptism and I said hey can you tell your brother why it was important to you to get baptized? And I watched as my 13-year-old daughter um, shared her testimony with her brother. And I got emotional, but I didn't let her see me because that's not cool. Um, and I just watched, and I was like, I think those closest to me can all attest to the fact that she's by far been our biggest concern through her dad being gone. Um, and we worry about her, and there's a team of people that she doesn't even know that pray for her every day. We have very specific things. We pray over her, and I've worried that she would turn from God and her anger toward him, and I watched her share her faith in a very real way with her little brother, and I was like, she still gets it, and he, she is in his palm. Like, and I love the verse I shared um, is that you train up a child in the way they should go, and then when they are old, they will not depart from it. She is not an adult. She thinks that she is, but she's not an adult. Um, but her faith is very real to her, and she serves. She's, she has served both services today. She's here every Sunday, um, and, and I'm trying so hard to just point my children back to God because he has a, just like he has a purpose for this in my life, he has a purpose for this in their life, and I do not believe that God ever intended for this to be our story, but he will use the story. That's good. That's good. Yes. Man, let's give it up for Shelly. That yeah. was good. 
And, and Emma, too. <laughs> there we go. So, Shelly, tell us a little bit about how do you heal? Mm. Um, well, for me, my healing is very intentional. So, like I said earlier, I went to therapy right away. Um, as a matter of fact, I talked about my two best friends earlier. They literally met together and prayed for my therapist the very first day that I was going to meet with her by name because it was like, whew, this is a lot for her to handle. Um, but I was the girl who, like, if my parents can really attest, I'm not being, like, prideful by saying this. If you had, like, a poster that was like, this is the perfect Christian teenage girl, and we want her to be, like, this is, it was me. Like, I did everything right. I went to Christian Bible college. I found me a good godly man. I married him. We were going to raise our kids in the church. Like, I did it all right, and then it all went very wrong. Um, and so through therapy, I worked with a therapist who said, emotions are meant to be felt. Mm. And I have a very good friend who encouraged me to just be mad, mm. that it was okay to be mad. And I, I'm still mad. Yes. Um, I've reached a place where I can say I've, I'm pretty much past the anger toward my ex-husband as his offenses against me as a husband. Um, I'm, I'm moving on with my life, and I'm okay with where that's at, and I've pretty much forgiven him. I've not forgiven him for the damage that he's caused to my children. I'm very angry. I watch them hurt every day, and that makes it very difficult, and so I'm mad, and sometimes that means that my pastor calls, and I tell him, I'm mad, and I scream <laughs> on the phone, um, or my friends, um, but that was the first step was going to therapy, and then I was very honest with my doctor. Um, about some emotions that I was feeling and they heard that cry for help and I actually went on some medication that kind of helped me get up and moving uh, and I stayed on that for about a year and the only thing that got me off of that medication is that I exercise and I move my body every day it is not because I'm trying to be physically fit it's not because I'm trying to lose weight it's for my mental health That's and I good. have to do it every day or else I'm gonna that those are my choices for me um, but I would say the most important thing that, it, that contributes to my healing is that I take breaks where I need to. Um, uh, my story is very different from Shane's in the fact that I don't have like a scheduled like every other weekend my kids are going to go be here and I don't have to think about taking care of them or I don't have to be hey mommed to death. Um, but it is emotionally exhausting helping two people discover who they're going to be in this world and trying to lead them in faith and trying to get them to school and to their activities and answer the 800 questions that my son has every day. And, like, just doing all of those things is exhausting. And so I take breaks where I can. And I'm, again, I go back to my village. I've got two amazing parents who step in. I've got friends that step in. I mean... And, and so I just want to say to any single parents that are truly doing it on your own, you are not a bad parent if you want to break from your kids. I will stand here and say I didn't need Leah's message on it. I did not spend Mother's Day with my kids. Like, I don't want to spend Mother's Day with my kids. I want a break. Yes. I do it every day, and, and, that, is, and that is okay. And it, it gets creative in the ways that I get breaks. So, like, for me, I have my sister who volunteered to pay for some extracurriculars for my son, which frees up money in my budget so that I can hire a babysitter. So, yeah. so I would say that to single parents, and I would say that if you're trying to support, if you see someone going through this and you're like, I don't know how to help you, they want time away from their kids. That's yeah. what they want. They want and, time and when, away from their kids. When you rest, which yes. in essence was what you talked yes. about two weeks ago, 
you're, a, you're trusting God enough with your life yes. and your kids to allow the miracle to happen. Which when you, if you go back and listen to the message mm -hmm. that Leah gave two weeks ago, the miracle of the resurrection actually happened while the ladies who were getting ready to wrap up Jesus' body and to put all the spices and to do all of the work that the customs of the day required, but it was a Sabbath day. And they were obedient to the command. And in doing that, they rested. And while they were resting, that's when the miracle of the resurrection happened. To me, it was life-changing when you, when you talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Then they go Sunday morning, and they show up with their spices and ready to continue the work. They never gave up. But guess what? In that moment, they recognized. The miracle had happened. But in that moment, for them, that's when it happened. And yeah. so when you say... And I hope, you, I hope you hear this. If you're a single mom, if you're a single dad, we want to help. We want to help. And rest, apparently, from what I'm gathering from what you're saying, is what most of us need, okay? Let us help. This is a church where together we say we're infinitely better than apart. You call me, you text us, you, you have the number right in front of your chairs or online, I promise you within minutes, I will find some people. If you're in a, not in a life group, I'm going to ask Randy and Benji here in a little bit, if you guys get on stage, um, because I want everybody to recognize who you are. Um, but I guarantee you, if you're not in a life group, okay, if you were in a life group, it's a lot quicker because you, you make those connections. It's just a quick, quick text, and people will be there loving on you. But if you're not, I want to challenge you. Don't do life alone together we're infinitely better and so if you're maybe this is your first time maybe you're only been, you've only been coming to life point for you know one two three weeks maybe a couple of months and you just haven't had a, a chance to join a life group and you and you're where where you were a few years ago and it's like man i'm at the end of my rope i don't know what else to do reach out when we say text hello like, you're going to get on the flip side of that. It's going to be either me or Pastor Nicholas. Pastor Nicholas does a lot of the managing behind the scenes, but I usually get to hear what, what people are saying. And what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to mobilize the church on your behalf. Does that make sense? Are we good? Shane. Hey, can um, I say one last? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I need to be very clear. I love my children. I love being their mom. I, I get 100% of the good stuff. I get 100% of the bad stuff. And I just feel like I need to say that me saying out loud, I have to have breaks for my kids. It does not make me a bad mom. And if you feel that way, I would like to encourage you, moms or dads, it doesn't make you bad either. And even I know that there's a couple of grandparents in here raising their children. That is not the way it was supposed to go. If you are saying you need a break from the children in your life, it does not mean that you do not love Amen. them. It means that you're taking that break is going to make you show up for them better. Yes. So I just feel yes. like I needed to say that. That's good. That's, that's good. I appreciate you clarifying that. Um, what's on Saturdays from 7 to 12? And this is something that we've, in ministry is a very demanding job. Okay, people have no idea spiritually, physically, emotionally for both Leah as a pastor's wife and for me. And so this is something that we've wrestled for years. Probably about a year or two ago, we made some changes to our schedules. What do we put on Saturday on our calendar? We have a family calendar that we share with all of our kids. What do we have on Saturdays? 
I think it says mom time. Mom that means time. don't bother me. <laughs> that means don't bother me. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> somehow we, we think that it's the lie of the enemy. We're not good enough. You know? I got to make up the difference. We're going to wrap it up. Um, I, want, I would like Miss Benji, if she can, is she in the back? She's not, she, she's not, she had to leave, okay. Um, we're going to wrap it up. Shane, I know we're way past our time. Thank you guys, you're super generous with your time. How do you heal? That's the question we're asking. How do you heal? It's not, it's not easy. Some of you, I just had someone who mentioned, hey, on such and such a day, June 8th, I think it was, that I put it on my calendar for a reminder, pray for me, I have litigation. And so I know that we're not the only ones who go through the pain of life. And for some of you, you're having to heal from maybe something totally unrelated. Maybe there is bitterness from X, Y, Z. But for you personally, and I know you've, you type some things, and I know you've, you've asked the Lord to give you a word. Would you just share with us, like, for you, what does that look like? How, how do you heal? Well, the, the, the first question that I would say is, what's our go-to response when somebody asks how we are? I'm fine. I'm good. Or busy. I'm busy. I got it all together. It is incredibly difficult to be transparent and say, hey, this is where I am. It's incredibly difficult to ask for help. Yes. But the reality is this. This whole, this whole time we've talked a lot about single parenting and divorce and everything that comes along with that. And, and, the, and the reality is, is that if you're a single parent, even if you were never married, that moment was a traumatic moment. We've all experienced some element of yes. struggle. A few, a few months ago, I was listening to a podcast and this, and this statement came upon what I was listening to. I don't even remember what I was listening to. I just, this statement has stuck with me so pivotally. And it said, trauma untransformed transmits. And I promise you that as a parent, untransformed trauma, the very first person, the very first people that are going to have it transmitted to them are your children. So let me say that again. Trauma untransformed transmits and it's been hit on so I won't hit on it too deeply I have such a deep love for Pastor Nicholas and Pastor Alex super thankful for their friendship and their relationship but the work that was done in therapy the work that my therapist has helped me go through to heal far surpasses that Alex and I have spent so many miles walking running biking and it's been so influential, but even beyond that, he's allowed me to process those things as well. He made me say it earlier, so he stole my thunder, but go to therapy. Therapy's not bad. It doesn't make you crazy. I believe wholeheartedly that every single person at some point in their life could benefit from it. Amen. I remember uh, Sunday, September 24th, 2017, so clearly. I was walking out of this place after probably the 11 o'clock service because I like to sleep in. That Thursday, we had mediation scheduled. 
Hopefully the goal was to figure out where things were going to land. I looked at my pastor. I looked at my friend. And the only words I could get out were pray for me. He looked at me and said something that I've clung to for the last five years. He said, God can take your greatest misery and use it for your greatest ministry. Let me say that again. God can take your greatest misery, whatever that may be, wherever you may find yourself, whether it was decades ago or whether you're right smack dab in the middle of it right now. God can take your greatest misery and use it for your greatest ministry. And, and here we are. The opportunity to share the hurt, the pain, the struggle, it was real. But God's faithfulness Amen. was also real. Proverbs 24, 6 says this. A godly man may trip seven times, but they will get up again. I mentioned before the suicide rate, astronomical. I cannot describe to you, unless you've experienced it, the emotions of what rock bottom feels like. But the reality is this. God is with you. Amen. You can get back up. Yes. You can keep moving forward. If you're here, don't underestimate the importance of you being here. It might have been the biggest struggle you've ever experienced to get out of bed and get to church this morning. But they're here. But you're up again. You fell, but you got up again. Yes. Keep going. Don't give up. The disaster did not overtake you. Satan did not destroy you. Yes. God is going to use this moment in your life for his glory. Amen. He will take your greatest misery and use it for your greatest so ministry. Thank you, guys. You all stand. Would you all stand with me with heads bowed and eyes closed? I don't know where you're at today. I don't know the pain of the past, the difficulties, the baggage. I don't know the trauma. I don't know if it's divorce. I don't know if it was having a child out of wedlock. I don't know. But your Heavenly Father knows. And you have a God who wants to pursue you who loves you enough to die for you. Don't do life alone. Find a support group. He came running after you. Receive his love. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder how many of you here would say, Pastor, would you pray with me? How many of you would raise your hand and you say, Pastor, pray for me. We are on the verge of divorce. We are on the verge of a collapse. And we don't know if we have it. And like, I don't, like, this is it. We're at the end of our rope. I have no more strength. My strength has left me. My emotions are gone. I can't even pray. So, Pastor, would you just pray for me? Would you raise your hand? If you're following us online, I see your hand. God sees your heart. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Anyone else? Would you reach out to the heavens and say, God, please help me? Anyone else? Father, you see the hands, you see the hearts. God, help us. Heal us. Renew us. Strengthen us. Thank you for Shelly. Thank you for Shane. 
Thank you that it's not, not over the story. It's not over, God. We serve the God of the resurrection. We serve the God who takes broken things and he puts them together. He takes broken lives and broken souls and restores them for your good, for your kingdom, for your name's renown. And so, God, we surrender to you. And, then we, and we declare that you are victorious. And we worship you in song. In Jesus' name, amen.